Now you hear it. When you're a child, you learn there are three dimensions. Height, width, and depth. Like a shoebox. Then later you hear there's a fourth dimension. Time. From Seattle, we're drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. All right, Michael. This is the first remote episode I believe we've ever done. That's correct. Things are going to get crazy. We'll see how this goes. It was a little bit convenient um, planning on our part. You know, you were doing it for a totally different reason than the fact that the, uh, the sky is on fire. But um, that's as good a reason as COVID to not leave the house. It is pretty surreal to not only be doing a virtual recording, which is highly unusual for us, but on a day where it looks like a nuke just went off outside. It's a weird day. We don't quite have the Blade Runner aesthetic up here. It's more of a boy and his dog aesthetic, post-apocalyptic desert in Arizona type feel. But yeah, it's pretty nasty. Um, Rescreening episode. We're doing Angelina uh, Jolie Pitt and her film By the Sea. Um, Shortly after the film was made, she obviously went back to Angelina Jolie and dropped the moniker in a divorce. But uh, what was your initial impression of this title that I rather forced upon you? I think this movie got a bad rap. I like this movie. I I think I have some problems with it, but I am positive on it. I like it. How did it hold up for you on uh, the second go-round, or maybe third or fourth go-round? Yeah, so I'd only watched it once, and then I watched it twice this time, and I I did some homework with Angelina Jolie as well. Um, This one was more of a, like, learning about her and her Mm -hmm. background, and then just watching um, a performance that I've heard a lot about, which was her performance in Changeling, Clint Eastwood's uh, historical film based on the Chicken Coop murder case. And Mm -hmm. I really love this movie and like you i see problems with it mm-hmm. um it's a movie that i want to give a five and i mean that as in i sit down to watch it and i go i'm gonna give this a five and then it convinces me that i can't mm. while i love it um so it's it's definitely a unique film in that way i very rarely i think have felt that specific emotion of i'm gonna give you five and then it talks me out of it and i still love it normally when you're talked out of that you kind of get negative but this is just like arms wide open i love the attempt i love the swing um yeah it's a special one uh before we go down the rabbit hole too far, do you want to do our first impression of our next rescreening title, which will be Kenneth Lonergan's Margaret, and then get back to it? What happened to you? Nothing. Do you want to tell us about it? I think I can handle this part myself. According to the statement, the light was green when the bus passed through the intersection? Yes. So you're saying she walked against the light? I know you feel a sense of responsibility about what happened, but you can't not do your homework and you can't throw away your scholarship because of it. That bus driver probably has a family to support. Do you remember me from the bus accident? It's a tragedy. You cannot bring her back. I'm talking about telling the accident investigators what really happened. But you already talked to them. I know that, but I lied. So you're going to go home and you're going to do your homework and I'm going to lose my job. And who's going to take care of my family? You? I just need to talk to somebody who doesn't completely misunderstand who I am or what's going on inside me. I feel like you and I used to relate to each other really well. I feel so bad about what happened, and I'm trying so hard to do something about it. The worlds of one would leave me alive, and yet you will weep and know why. It is Margaret you mourn for. Right, we just watched the trailer for Kenneth Lonergan's Margaret, which will be the film we discuss in our next rescreening episode. This is one I've seen before. I understand this is one you have not seen. Is that correct? Correct. What are your thoughts? Um, I I don't know. I, I, I'm super intrigued. I love Matt Damon. I love Mark Ruffalo and his previous work with Kenneth Lonergan that I have seen. Um, I've 
pretty divisive on Anna Packin and seeing this, um, I, I'm very intrigued to see what she does because I understand that the original cut of the film was terrible and that it was re-released in 2011, um, which is the, the trailer that we watched the cut for at least, um, or maybe it was finally released at that point. I don't exactly know the full background story with that. And so just wondering, I find myself wondering what would have happened if this um, film that is considered one of the best of the 2010s came out in her actual career trajectory how that could have affected things. It certainly didn't get in the way of Mark Ruffalo, didn't get in the way of Matt Damon. I believe Allison Janney is the victim of the the bus crash here. It didn't certainly get in the way of her, but I, I do question what a budding star like her might have gone on to do if she had had that type of a critical work uh, released. Yeah, it is an interesting one to see pop up on so many best of the 2010s list after her. I feel like the release was kind of botched between the two different editions that came out. I'm assuming we'll both try and watch the director's cut for our Oh, that's the only one I'm going to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember which one I watched. It had to have been the theatrical cut way back in the day. Um, I vividly remember just watching it like in bed on a Saturday morning in college, I think just a random selection of a movie. And I, I remember so clearly the accident itself itself that kind of puts the plot into motion really shaking me up um but uh i honestly don't remember too much else about it i just remember it it really it really hit me um so it'll be fun to dig back into yeah yeah anything that's this um meaty of a kenneth lonergan screenplay i'm excited to to see how that turns out so good selection by you Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as members, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And now back to By the Sea. and directed by Angelina Jolie, who also stars along with Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. What made you pick this title? Maybe we'll start there. Well, I think we went over it in the previous rescreening episode, which essentially boils down to, I have a certain affinity or love for this film that I felt like I experienced kind of in isolation because of the critical reception. I, I clearly remember seeing a, like, maybe it was Jimmy Fallon or, or something, you know, one of those late night shows, and they go interview people outside of a, a theater in Oakland, I believe. And mm-hmm. it's playing, like, you know, a Marvel movie or DC, you know, the the big blockbusters, and then it's it, they're also playing By the Sea that summer or, mm-hmm. you know, winter. And everybody that was asked what they were going to see essentially was going to see the blockbuster. And then he asked one woman who was on her way out of the theater that he thought was going in, um, 
what she was going to see. And she says, I actually just came out of by the sea and I loved it. And it, it's so interesting to have an experience with a film where you can remember the only other person you remember liking it in such a fond way. Um, so that doesn't really answer your question at all. It's just a fun anecdote, but I, I love this movie. It has everything that I love about La Ventura with everything I love about like the modern Hollywood glitz glam and self-reflection and wrestling with demons and all that complex stuff, which we'll get into uh, the further we go on. Do you want me to just read the synopsis from the back of the Blu-ray so that people know what the heck is going on? Absolutely. Let's start there. So as you mentioned, written, directed, and produced by Academy Award winner Angelina Jolie Pitt. By the Sea follows an American writer named Roland and his wife, Vanessa, who arrive in a tranquil and picturesque seaside resort in 1970s France. Their marriage, an apparent crisis. As they spend time with fellow travelers, including young newlyweds and village locals, the couple begins to come to terms with unresolved issues in their own lives. I do think that synopsis sums up the meat of what we're witnessing in the film pretty well although it doesn't get into the uh, the grand illusions and delusions and all the real world complexity the film is rife with um this couple's last name is bertrand um I, or no his first name yeah his first name's roland their last name is bertrand uh angelina julie's mother's name is marshallin bertrand um i believe two years no one year previous to the date of filming here, um, Angelina Jolie underwent a double mastectomy to get rid of uh, the possibility of breast cancer in her genetic line, which is what killed her mother. Um, she has said that this film is kind of her writing and addressing things about her mother, but also about her marriage. I don't know if you know this, Michael, but this film was shot right after they got married on their honeymoon. Oh, I did not know that. Okay, that's interesting. Extra textual detail. Okay. August 2014, they were married on the 23rd of 2014, and I understand that's when they began shooting was, you know, in that range of dates right after. Got it. Probably one of, if not the most famous couples in the world at the time. Certainly it's some of the most, like, looked at and uh, sort of ogled at celebrities in, in the world at the time, and arguably still today even yeah and interestingly enough like it, it does feel like the bookend you know they they only made two pictures together my understanding is that they met on mr and mrs smith and then they were on a honeymoon shooting this film which she wrote for them um and it you know in many ways she has now come to admit you know um kind of foreshadowed how the relationship was going and the inevitable breakup which i i just the extra contextual stuff mixed with the Hollywood big acting fluff that's in the, the film itself and all the, um, you know, double meanings of, of knowing that she's directing a scene and her looking into the camera before she pulls the plug out of the pipe and the camera zooms into the, so you're seeing things with her and how she's seeing them. She's reflecting on her body. You know, there's numerous scenes where she goes out on the, uh, the patio and she looks down on topless sundressers um, mm -hmm. with a certain type of envy. And then she reclines, you know, constantly looking cat-like as Jolie does um, on, on the, uh, the sofa there and um, lets herself be talked to by her neighbors. But yet there's that insecurity there that is, you know, personal. It's, it's just such an interesting film, man. Yeah. I, I think all the extra textual stuff suggests that it is a deeply personal project. I do t tend to think that there is something about it that doesn't feel tremendously personal in how it comes to life on screen. Um, I think that has a lot to do with performances and especially how Brad Pitt and Angel Angelina Jolie engage with each other. I think there's something really interesting about how they both kind of carry themselves independently. I think where this falters for me is in how they engage with each other and the, the depth of feeling, I think it really unearths between them. Um, and I actually think I have a little bit more trouble with Angelina Jolie's performance than Brad Pitt's. Um, I really like the reference points you already mentioned. Uh, you mentioned Antonioni. I actually 
thought a lot about Rossellini's Journey to Italy, which is mm-hmm. about an American couple going to Italy in that case. But there are shots in that movie of um, this couple out on the balcony of the hotel or house where they're staying and just, you know, laying around in chairs like so many of the shots we get in this movie, which are really shots that I love. Um, I think the reference points, you know, are, are super cool that like you just don't see many big Hollywood stars trying to make something that's kind of paying homage to like seventies art house romance. Like that's great. I love that stuff. Um, I do sense that there is some just awkwardness to the performances and the chemistry between Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. And I, um, that, that, that holds me back from really loving it, but uh, I still find myself much more positive on it than I expected it. Uh, to be given um, the reception we know it got. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. Um, did Did you think about Erlen Josephson and, and Liv Ullman at all while watching this? Uh, oh, from you mean you're talking about Bergman? Yeah, and I mean oh. most distinctly, obviously, like this feels to me like a scene from a marriage. Not not as good, obviously, but like so directly inspired or. You know, like, you just put these two cookies next to each other, and you know they taste the same. That's interesting. Bergman, yeah, that actually had not uh, come to my mind, but yeah, that's a totally fair comparison. I I also thought of um, Cassavetes and and Gina Rowland, right? That Mm -hmm. that was also that 1970s art house theater where, you know, beautiful movie stars together. Um, You mentioned that you like the look of the film. Did you mm-hmm. notice that um, the director of photography was Christian Berger, who is the frequent cinematographer for one Michael Haneke? Oh, no, I did not know that. Yeah, so that, that I think is um, definitely part of the reason why those landscapes in the background of these dialogues or the silent looks are just so beautiful. And I mean, how about the timing on the first... Um, the first time Brad Pitt flips over her sunglasses, um, mm-hmm. or I guess it's the second time after he returns, just the timing of that lens dialing into focus. It, it goes from out of focus um, onto his shirt and then into focus on like a totally different object that isn't even in the center of the lens. Like it's just such a cool shot. Um, I, I nerded out on the cinematography a lot while watching it. Like it was just gorgeous. Yeah, you mentioned what I think is one of my favorite, almost throwaway details of the movie, which is the sunglasses and Angelina Jolie's always putting them down face down and Brad Pitt subsequently turning them right side up, which I think mm-hmm. is one of the more subtle kind of encapsulations of the state of the marriage. She's a little bit defeated about it. She no longer cares if it gets scratched. He's still trying. He's still flipping it over. Um, it happens two or three times. It's conspicuous, but I think that's one of the more subtle um, metaphors, if you will, versus you know something like the fisherman, which is which is more obviously a metaphor, not necessarily a bad one. But I appreciate the the kind of tossed off nature of the the sunglasses. I have a feeling you watched this movie only once. I watched it twice, actually. Oh, really? And you still think? That, oh man, when I was watching it for the second time, I was like. I love the sunglasses scenes, but they were just so not subtle. You know, like the, oh, really? the first time, the second time, um, or the the first two events of Brad Pitt doing it are subtle. Mm. But once you get to that third act of the film and it's still happening, like it's the most unsubtle piece of physical writing that I think that mm. she, she did. Um, you're right. Like the discussions about the fishermen and her observing them are even more on the head. But I think yeah. that the the way that the the lens shows it doesn't make it wholly that. Um, I I do think that there is an ominous tension mm-hmm. to the rocks. Now that might just be my film history and what I see or think of when I see those rocks. Um, but I I do think that like there's there's a little bit more going on during the fisherman scenes versus those sunglass scenes where like you just know exactly what the entire purpose of that shot was. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, to maybe rephrase, I don't know that I would describe anything in this movie as particularly subtle, but for mm-hmm. me, that is maybe relatively more subtle, um, only because people will come out of this movie and say, what do you think The Fisherman was all about? I don't know that people would 
necessarily hone in on the sunglasses thing, but you're right. Mm -hmm. To attentive viewers, the camera is directing our eye towards the sunglasses, no exactly. doubt. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess just a little bit more personal history on the Joe Lee side. Um, so this film came out in November of 2015, and they had gotten married in 2014 in August, right? Um, well, before the movie ever even released to the public, Angelina Jolie had undergone a hysterectomy that she'd been planning on having. So I, I do think that this film, not with not just the double mastectomy, but, but knowing that she's going to have a hysterectomy, this is not only her grappling with her mom, with how the public sees her, this is her grappling with how she sees herself. Um, and that, once again, is extra textual, but I, I think in a film written, directed, produced, starring an artist going through something like that, like it is, it is as much a, a piece of the meat of what is happening within the narrative of the film as anything that's actually within the film. And seeing her look at um, Melanie Laurent with such, um, you know, lust and envy is... I, I think just informed even more by the richness of, of the extra textual pieces here. Yeah. I mean, I think it's clear what experiences and, and, and the, what experience are, are what experiences are informing this story. I, I just don't know how clearly or how truthfully some of that emotion is really getting translated to the screen for me. Um, it has to do, I guess, with some affectation in the performances. Um, there's something that just feels a little stilted about it. Um, I, I wish that this felt a little bit more like the soul-bearing that I think the extra textual details suggest that it is. Um, I, I don't know that the, the direction is particularly sharp. I, I, I enjoy watching these two characters inhabit each of these spaces on their own terms and, and how they're each kind of dealing with this grief in two diff very different ways because they're approaching it from two completely different positions. Um, I don't know how great of a director Angelina Jolie is here in directing herself alongside Brad Pitt. I wish there was something just a little more organic um, or uh, deep about how they're interacting with each other. Um, it does. It does leave me feeling like it's a little shallow. Do you, Do you have a comparison you would make for for like how you think that interaction should have felt? Because I, I mean, there's certain portions, especially in the final third of the film, where I think a lot of stuff starts to fall flat. But mm -hmm. the the melancholia, the the unique depression that you know having a a child die multiple times would would give a woman like i i i don't know that i felt in the first two thirds like a anything that didn't feel natural about the reclusive depression and aloofness and hurt that 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 might be i don't know that i'm right i just i didn't feel like it was wrong when i was watching it yeah, I don't think I have a point of comparison where I think something else did this necessarily better, but I do think there are kind of two sides to the to the acting here. There's kind of the body language that they both kind of communicate through, and then the line delivery itself and some of the dialogue. What I do really like is a lot of the body language and how they both just kind of inhabit this space and how they both seem to carry grief in a very different way she feels like she is just brittle and moves so carefully around the apartment and lays down so carefully it's like she might just break because she's just so she, what she's carrying is just so heavy and in him you see him carrying exhaustion with her still being upset about what happened um, and it's totally understandable I think it's in dialogue like the lines where they're talking about resisting happiness um, that just feels written to me. I'm just not sure how convincing some of that dialogue is to me. Um, there's some of the voiceover narration we get when Jolie is wandering along the rocks by herself um, that just doesn't really work for me. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think I, I agree with you there. I, 
um, the most, um, I think, coherent way to put this is they are wonderful performances that are written excellent, and then they open their mouths. Hmm, that's fair. Yep. Because I'm just so utterly convinced by, not, not like you mentioned, like she does feel brittle, but she's so thin that mm. that only, you know, heightens that feeling. You know, another actress, like, say, Scarlett Johansson, doing the same things with her figure, I just wouldn't feel the same. But Jolie is so thin. You can see her bones and her veins in a way that you can't on on different actresses. So it, she's using the way she looks to accentuate the physical um, behavior of the character. And once she gets to the points in time where her mouth is opened and talking to Brad Pitt, I think there's a, a lot of um, a lot of weakness there. But when she's talking to Melanie Laurent, um, I, I do find those exchanges interesting. When she goes to get the espresso, right, that kind of her first by herself experience, it's fine when she opens her mouth. But the real charm is the interaction she has that's silent with that little girl. It's just so wonderful. It just melts my heart every time I watch that scene. Yeah, I do appreciate how, like, you you could argue that there is kind of this suspense angle to the movie because it's not immediately revealed what it is that they are mourning. You know, ostensibly they're here so he could write his book, but clearly there's a secondary reason, really, Mm -hmm. which is maybe really the primary reason that they're here. Um, I really do appreciate that scene because... It gives us a pretty good idea of what they're here about, um, and I value that over having um, a carrot held out in front of me. Um, I, I completely me agree. wondering because this is this is about the relationship itself. This is not um, about the suspense, about the wondering. Um, I appreciate the tip off. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, building on that differently, were you? I mean, because you watched it for your first time. So when you didn't know what the end of the film was, did you wonder if she was going to kill herself? Did you wonder if there would be a death that occurs? Did that ever become something that that you were, um, you know, curious about and started diverging your attention? I don't think I ever thought she might kill herself. I did think that there would be something involving the other couple. I thought Brad Pitt might kill the dude. To be um, <laughs> he he came close that. and we never saw for certain that he didn't. We never <laughs> saw proof of life. <laughs> yes, that is where I, I thought something more might happen. Um, I'm not sure I ever really thought she was going to take the leap for real. Um, do you remember your first experience if you thought that that was where this was Oh, heading? dude, my second experience, like, I knew what was going to happen, but once she gets down to those rocks, I go, am I sure she doesn't love Ventura it? I might be forgetting. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, the score is a little heavy for me throughout a lot of the movie. I think it's when she's going for those walks by herself on the rocks that I wish... Uh, it didn't have the music at all. I think those scenes would maybe have um, even more power to them if that was just silent and you were just watching her listen to the waves and there might be more ambigu- ambiguity to it. I think the music is telling us that she's contemplating jumping. Um, I, th- I think there's maybe some subtlety that the score uh, strips from the movie. Yeah, I think anecdotally, you're right. I will say... The theme, um, which I'll call the theme, but I don't really know if this film actually has a dedicated theme, but that opening um, piece of of score that you come in um, on the car with as you arrive in the village, Mm. I love that. I just love that sound so much. It sets the mood, it sets the tone, and it simultaneously kind of gives you this bigger-than-life aura, which is what it it has, you know, this is, for all intents and purposes, a piece of melodrama about two really, really famous people, and it kind of sets the stage for, we all know they're famous, but we're pretending that they're not who we think they are, just for right now. And I believe it plays the same score as they're exiting the village at the end in the same car. And I I just think that that kind of is a perfect bookend for how to hold this this movie within yourself 
if you want to hold this movie within yourself, which I gather not too many people do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like I like the book to that song. I think that's just a nice bit of uh, kind of place and period setting, you know, that immediately just feels so like late mm-hmm. 60s, early 70s. Um, there's also there's also some piano that I thought was just absolutely beautiful, which is towards the end. I think if they're kind of getting ready to pack it up, I think it's what's also in the trailer as well. And I really like that. Um, I think it's maybe some of the uh, more orchestral stuff that I think um, suggests more feeling than it really needs to. Um, but, you know, that's not a terribly unusual thing for Hollywood film of this kind. So not a particularly unusual uh, critique. Well, it's not unusual for Hollywood film. I will say that I, when you say Hollywood film of this kind, what what else comes to mind for you? Um, I mean, I... Well, I, I don't know that I have any uh, any other immediate points of comparison, but it feels distinctly Hollywoodish to me, right? In the way that oh, one hundred percent movies do not, um, and I think it's very classical in its construction. You know, I actually don't know that I describe this as particularly modernist, like an Antonioni movie is. Um, I think the themes are similar and the the circumstances are similar. I think this feels like very um like it's constructed in a very in in a classic classic Hollywood way. Um yeah, I I think there's a lot of classic Hollywood to the looks and the the framing and then there's some of the the best of Antonioni with framing a character giving a Hollywood look with a great background, right? But I think mm-hmm. that the performances are so overwhelming that it undoubtedly becomes that Hollywood feel. But what I what I think I treasure about this film is it I personally find it unlike any other Hollywood film in the last 20 years with giant performances that are reminiscent of classic Hollywood that are, you know, not really steeped in any form of contemporary like popularism like there's just nothing about this film that is popular or of the moment and it's simultaneously made of two of the most popular of the moment people wrestling with something deeply personal to at least the writer and because it's now you know released that it's about her feelings on the relationship there's i i just can't think of another more self-reflective film uh, of this caliber and i i don't necessarily think that that means that it's that it should be great or not graded um you, you know like all other film but there's there's just something so unique that if someone asks me you know what's a, a movie that you would recommend that other people wouldn't i i think this is one of the few that would come to mind yeah i'll maybe throw out another example of of the kind of thing that maybe didn't work super well for me, just to, just to get your thoughts. There is the scene where Angelina Jolie is in the bathtub and Brad Pitt's gone to the hole in the wall and he's sort of describing to her what it is mm-hmm. that he sees on the other side. Yes. Um, I think there's just kind of an over-seriousness about that exchange, about the description Brad Pitt gives. Um that just it just feels a little overworked or affected in some way. I'm assuming you don't get that vibe. Well, I think that was purposeful. Um, I I definitely get that the vibe that you're describing. However, I take it more charitably. I think mm-hmm. um, it does not bother me that that's what he's doing because the the intent declared within the film by Brad Pitt is that this entire trip is supposed to fix his wife and up to this point this has been the only thing that led them to physical intimacy discussion of physical intimacy how they feel about people how they feel about inhabiting their bodies so i believe in the earnestness and his intent i don't buy the delivery but i i see I see both sides there. It's just, I feel a little bit more charitable. I think about this scene in particular. Um, I, I think as a whole, if you isolate those bathtub scenes or the shower scenes, however you want to describe the bathroom scenes that they share, um, they're the most melodramatic and like, I, I wouldn't say they're unnecessary, 
but they really undermine a lot of the the things that the physical performance brings i think mm. yeah yeah if anything like i might have gone for less dialogue and more of the more glances more of just seeing them kind of doing what they're already doing which is just kind of inhabiting these two different spaces him in the bar or at the ho hotel room and how that just speaks to where their relationship is at um and i won't belabor the point but it does fall down when i think the dialogue really gets going um and it's maybe when they get a little more worked up that i think i feel that a little bit too you know when um he gets pissed off for her having bought the younger guy a jacket um he kind of like the same rushes toward her. yeah yeah rushes toward her in the in the bathroom kind of backs her into a corner in there and she um is sort of frightened by this uh assault and i don't know it just doesn't it doesn't ring particularly true to me in in sort of the frightened uh stance she takes um but uh i'll let that go there's other stuff to talk about yeah well i i, I mean I, yeah i would just redouble and say the the bathroom scenes while like dramatically necessary because of the writing perspective i guess they just undermine the physicality that the story that the physicality of the performance that Jolie gives ha has created because in those scenes she has to talk and as we mentioned when she talks the whole thing kind of begins to crumble um mm -hmm. but i i mean that in and of itself i find more charming and interesting than negative i guess this is just one of those movies where even its flaws i just find uh fascinating curiosos or curiosities and i just want to let them be because it, it is so unique and i i can't point to something like it and i'm glad it's here but it um it's certainly not the handmaiden which we talked about mm -hmm. previously it's not a perfect film it is not coming from a keen um cinema cinematic eye um with with perfect formula and its screenplay but it it's filled of, with heart and um, intention and honesty and reflection. And that, for me, goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I really do. Um, I'm really, I really am on board with the sentiments of the film. And uh, just the idea of how they are at such completely different stages of grief. And I think... You know, the scenes of Brad Pitt at the bar just kind of being messily drunk with the great bartender. He's awesome. We'll talk about him, I'm sure. Um, just, just really get that sense across of how exhausted he is by how morose this, this relationship is. I think that really works. And again, the way she carries herself and the way she looks is partly like that eye makeup that just looks like she is just like. So good. It's like her eyes have just been bruised from so much crying at some point, and now there's just no energy left. It's this kind of lethargic um, energy she has um, as she just hardly even leaves the apartment or the hotel. Um, I think all that works. 100%. Um, I, I genuinely don't know exactly which character um or, or what the name of of that character is but i who i think is michelle but i believe it's niels aristra who you brought up who is the bartender who um says i i normally wouldn't ask why someone's getting drunk for breakfast but for you i'll make an exception to brad mm -hmm. pitt and uh he talks him into to having more vodka or more gin with some buttered toast by uh through some clever wordsmithing, but that that fabricated piece and the way that Angelina Jolie framed their characters as kind of a narrative device for reflection for Brad Pitt, I, I really think is what steeps the character in feeling um, more solid than Jolie does. Like, like if you have to or if you were to ask me which character 
um, at the end of the day seems to be the realist. I, I would say it's Brad Pitt's character because of those interactions. Whereas Angelina Jolie doesn't really have any interaction that doesn't feel like a waking dream or a nightmare. Mm. Like everything just feels non-existent or like a delusion or something that she thought she did. Um, there's a certain um, unreliability to watching her character. I think that that's framed maybe by the fact she's the director and just has a natural flair of um, unreliable, unreliable narrator to the the very camera work that she um, composes. But with Brad, there's something brooding. There's something physical that you can focus on and watching him get drunk with Michelle, I mean. I could watch a TV show. It's 10 hours long about that. <laughs> yeah. There is something very real about the bartender that almost just kind of rubs off on Brad Pitt because of their time together. Um, the, the weariness about his uh, wife having passed away, his daughter that's in the state somewhere that all just feels so, so true. And, and that, I think that's entirely convincing. Um, I think the supporting cast does, a lot for the movie. I like the younger couple and I like how between the three we're getting these three very different stages of marriage. I mean, I think that is like the theme of the movie for me is kind of grief and marriage. Um, and between the three you get late stages of marriage, midlife marriage and early marriage. I think that's a pretty cool setup. Um, and the supporting characters really sell their, uh, their parts of that equation. And, and Michelle's relationship with the hotel owner, right? Like that he he's already the character that kind of grounds everything. And the fact that he has a grounding character just creates, um, I, it, this is a comparison that goes no further than this, a feeling that feels as real as when I watch certain women and I see characters interacting with Laura Dern or with Kristen Stewart, um, that had interacted with the other one and it just makes the world feel real. There's uh, a special earthly composition that, that happened to Michelle's character because of, of those framing choices um, and how well casted they were. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think this is a particularly bleak vision of marriage or not so much? Um, I, I don't, I don't. No, I, I don't think this is about marriage. I think this is about grief and marriage just happens to be the context in which the grief is occurring. Um, as I mentioned, this is about, this is her kind of feelings about her mom. And I, I, I personally felt that while watching, um, this doesn't feel like it's just about her trying to process things with Brad Pitt contextually. This feels like someone trying to figure something out about, about feelings of depression and grief. And, you know, the, the framing of a relationship, while very important for the way that the story plays out, I don't find that important to the nature of the character. Like that, that's unfortunately how this character is defined is by the marriage. But I, I don't really think of this character in definition of marriage. I think of her in definition of grief. And I mm. think that's yeah. the point. Um, and the envy of life. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I guess for me, I just kind of viewed them as, as going hand in hand in the, the context of this story. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know that I can think of too many other movies that really tap into the kind of um, shame or sense of um, the kind of the self-destructiveness that follows from a woman either having lost a child or realizing that she just can't bear children and um, the the kind of shame that 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 comes with that um, and how hard that can be for uh a man with that woman to really comprehend and it, just how deeply troubling it can be for a relationship um, is, uh, you know, I think something pretty worthwhile about the movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. 
what do you think about the thing that we've barely talked about, which is the framing device of the picture, which is the hole in the wall and the observation of this couple and their their um, acts of intimacy, we'll say, because it's not just sex. It's also discussion and personal feelings and those talks that, that take up just as much as, as the sexual activities do. Yeah, I think it's a cool device. I mean, I think the the, the way it's, the shots themselves are sort of effective in conveying how it's this kind of escapism for her uh, and, and him too, but especially her in, you know, that it allows her to kind of delude herself into thinking that she can live vicariously through this younger couple again. I think that's pretty effective. Um, what about you? I, yeah, I, um, I definitely don't know the way to put together words about it, but I, I really, really, really like the way that the framing device is pulled off because it adds a layer of um, self-reflection to the writer because the performer is the director and the writer. And we anecdotally know what was happening in their personal life. You're seeing Angelina Jolie direct the film in which she's observing someone who hasn't had a double mastectomy, who isn't planning on having a hysterectomy, who can still have children and wrestling with that. But she's not just doing that through her. She's also doing that through remembering her mother. And so having that framing device where you are going through a hole to look at a scene which is what she's doing with the camera in the first place to look at Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt sitting at a wall. It, it, you know, it might be meta or whatever and be annoying in some way to some people, but to me, it's just, it allows a way of reframing the entire conversation to have a little bit more earnestness, no matter how you land on the film. I, I, it just really brings home the point of self-reflection. Yeah, it's different from if they had just encountered this couple at the hotel and had just, um, even if she had just followed the couple around the hotel or something like that, you know, the story. Or observed them from the balcony by itself. Yeah, exactly. The idea that she is just blocking out the rest of the world so that she can completely um, imagine herself, re, you know, reimagine herself in these kind of glory days of marriage. Um is, is, is pretty effective. Um, yeah, it's not just the reimagine herself, though, right? Because at the end, it, it turns into something different. It's she, she is questioning whether or not she is still something that would be desirable. And that ultimately is what leads to, you know, the um, what I would have to call an anticlimactic finale, but still one that I think we we arrived at earnestly. I just don't care for the that particular payoff. I would have rather see the film go in a different way. But I I understand the intent to have her go into the other room and seduce Melanie Lorenz, now husband, while Brad Pitt watches. Um, I just personally didn't care for it, but I get it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's partly about how she sees herself in the wake of this tragedy after realizing that she can't bear children. But equally a part of that is how she thinks other men are seeing her. Exactly. Um, and we don't really get that until the end. And I think that's what, yeah, that's what kind of illuminates that theme is that what is promising about that to her is that she doesn't know. I think she literally says that so much is that how, how could he, know me or something like that or exactly yeah it, it was built up slowly it's just i i don't know Did, were you happy it went there or would you rather um have have the sense of not knowing no i think it needed to go there um okay. it you know she, she's uh she's sort of entering this this uh world that she's only been looking at from a distance you know i think that was a necessary kind of break from the uh delusion in a way um so that she knows it's not really going to work and that's uh what forces the confrontation i think it's necessary what about you well i mean no i don't <laughs> that that was the point right um that that i was making that i i don't think you 
I don't think that you always need an answer to something like that. I think that it was well introduced enough through the yachting scene, through the interactions she had on the patio. I think we knew that was there. Um, it, there's just, this is a film where I, I didn't want as much closure. Um, you, you know, there's, mm. there's movies that, you know, are, are very cookie cutter and provide you with closure and answers and stuff. And I think that this provides way too much of that and is ultimately part of its, its detriment, you know, its failure is that it tries to give you answers for things that, um, you know, in the real world just wouldn't be answered. So would you rather it not have had the climax at all where she finally kind of confesses, it's not really a confession, but finally speaks out about being barren? You would not, you would rather not even have that? Um, yeah, I, I don't think that, I personally don't think that was necessary. Um, but, you know, everyone has a different experience with, with storytelling. It's just, I already um, knew through... I guess just watching a bunch of movies and reading a lot of books that that was going to be the reason why she was going to be this macabre. There's no other reason. Her husband's alive. Her husband's with her. Parents aren't going to do that when they die. A cat or a dog isn't going to do that when you, when they die. The only thing that's going to make a woman that closed off physically is going to be something that personal. And so I, I didn't need to be told what I already knew would be the reason for that behavior. Yeah, that's fair. I can see that. Normally I'd be with you where I'd always almost opt for the more ambiguous uh, conclusion with with less, uh, with fewer answers, I guess. In this case, I did kind of appreciate the specificity that comes with it just because it seems like um, the devastation that a woman can feel and the, the self, the damage to your self-worth that can come after that really specific kind of experience i don't know i i think there's something beneficial to that confrontation um uh that just helps bring that idea to life um but i can always understand the desire for ambiguity yeah normally we're in in opposite sides of the boat so even even going against the grain here, we're disagreeing about the the merits of the film and what's good and what's bad. It's if by the sea is nothing else, it is divisive. That is true. Um, yeah, no doubt. It's also, I, I think, distinctive when when I say um, by the sea and how it physically looks. Is is there anything else that that you would really um, compare here in the last? 10 years of, you know, oh, that movie kind of looks like this? Uh, you know, I would have to revisit it. What actually came to mind, even though the tone is so different, is Before Midnight. Um, oh, interesting. I I think, I don't, I think that's in Italy, but I remember that being on, you know, the coast, right? At least for mm -hmm. part of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, some random images just popped in my head um, from that movie. Um, what about you? Yeah, I, th I think about the film Youth. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Um, it, it's got that. really, really uh, strict cinematography that's very beautiful landscapes, but very, um, you know, like pristine and, and clear cut, like movements of the camera, which I do get the sense of here, especially in the first half. I, I do think that the camera movements lose a little bit the further this gets on. And then there's another film that I'm forgetting the name of that had Tilda Swinton in it, um, where it was her and Tom Hiddleston, I believe. And it was not only lovers left alive. And they were like hmm. beside a pool. I think Dakota Johnson was in it. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Luca Guadagnino one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that, there we go. I think that this does look a little bit more like a Luca film might, depending on which Luca, hmm. not Suspiria, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could see that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar kind of location and setting. Yeah, 100%. Um, was there anything else you, you want to go over thematically or, or character-wise here? Um, see if I have anything back in my notes for a second. Anything that comes to mind while I am uh, gathering my thoughts? Um, I, I do think that having 
the the introduction of the side-by-side shot, I, I believe it's from the water where we see the car go through the boat launch and literally drive through the water. And we see that that point, which is the boat launch, in which the ocean is touching the shore and going into the street, essentially. Um, that, that creates a very distinctive sense of place that the kind of resonates throughout the film. And that's really the first time that it kind of tells you that this is its own place that has these fingerprints that you're going to remember um, when someone brings up the title. There's just certain things about this film and how it looks that you can't um, take away from it. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think the location is huge in my affection for the movie. If you could put it anywhere else that was just less attractive, I might be less into it, but this is a very easy movie to just be in because of where it is. Exactly. And Michelle, um, you know, the bartender is part of where it is, right? Like he becomes the setting in a way. Yeah, 100 percent. Obviously, the the costumes are very glamorous and shiny and awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, But uh, I mean, they they feel relevant, too. I kind of like how disheveled Brad Pitt always looks um, and how Angelina Jolie looks like she is in mourning, especially with some of the black clothing. She's kind of hiding behind that hat. Um, and the sunglasses, obviously, um, she really does look like she just came from a funeral sometimes. Um, I think, uh, if you really, if you somehow really thought that they were just here for him to write a book, you know, the costumes alone could suggest to you that they are in mourning about something. Yes. Agreed. Um, was there anything else or should we get on to our, our favorite scenes? Uh, let's get on to favorite scenes. What do you got? Oh, you're going to turn it back around to me. I thought I was going to going to get you and then have some time to think. Um, you know, I, I already brought it up. So I, I will I will tell you what I already said, and then I will have a, a anecdote as well. Um, mm-hmm. And that is the scene where she goes grocery, st- grocery shopping and then um, asks for the espresso, the big one from the top shelf. And the exchanges she has, they're silent with the young girl at the counter and how she, the young girl looks at her and smiles. And there's just that, that sincere childish glimmer in her eye of excitement. And, you know, thinking that this, this lady's pretty and exciting that, that only a child could have and Angelina Jolie trying to hold herself back um, and, and not feel emotion, but also process it. It's just, it's such a, a physical performance of such great beauty. And secondly, the many, 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 many times that the camera just for a second catches her reflection of staring daggers into Brad Pitt through the mirror. Mm. I love it. How about you? One that comes to mind actually has less to do with the filmmaking than just the content of the scene itself, which is not what I usually go for with a favorite scene. But I do like when they go for a drive, which is, uh, I think, the one time in the movie they actually leave the hotel and they stop by the church. And just the dialogue she uh, has as she comes out and talks to Brad Pitt. I should have written down the lines, but it's something about um, praying for the strength to meet it when she... Um, apologizes for however she has treated him in um, the years that they've been grieving over this. Um, that was uh, a good scene. That made me think of um, fuck the the scene that we just covered. Um, we we watched three films from a Middle Eastern filmmaker. One of them, um, she goes into a church and comes out and has that great line of dialogue mm. where they're getting married. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, mm. You're talking about certified copy? Yes, there we yeah, go, yeah. certified copy. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I just like the the kind of the hard truth about that sentiment that there's she has this anger about the fact that they're both in grief, but she has to deal with this in a really different way and in a really severe, personal way that, that he just can't fully understand and she you know that there's just anger in that she's maybe even jealous in a way that he gets to grieve but he doesn't have to grieve in the same kind of way Mm -hmm. um i like the i like the sentiment there i do too it's deeply personal um on that note 
I think we should leave it and we'll be back in a month rescreening Margaret from Kenneth Lonergan. Until next time. And that's another one in the can. Virtual can. Now you don't.